I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Pick a Flick. My name's Jack Stewart. I'm joined, as ever, by Chris Wallace. Hello. And Philip Sharman. Hello! And we're here today to discuss two excellent films. Yes, this is in our normal format. It's not our excellent, no, it's not. Yeah, I'm confused. I'm a little bit discombobulated. Listeners like it when I say discombobulated. I got I got complimented on it three times last time I said discombobulated. Uh, we should just say we're from we're from Wiki Shuffle. Yeah, and we're hijacking Pick a Flick this week. Mm-hmm. We All have, three of us. We are we are hijacking it, and we have kidnapped Tony Black, and he is here. We've, we're just letting him out of the boot now. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a boot noise or is it something else? Hi, Tony. Hello, hello. Um, yes, that uh, those are my guests, but yeah, they have hijacked the podcast like Matt Latham did the other week. It's becoming a recurring thing, this. But yeah, I'm back in control. Yeah, and welcome to Pick a Flick, the podcast where you pick a film and we watch it. Simple as that. And it's Christmas! Hey! hey. Merry Christmas. This is the Pick a Flick Christmas special, and I have the uh, the fine gentleman from Wiki Shuffle, as has been said, Jack, Chris, and Phil. And today we're going to be talking about two brilliant films. Well, I say brilliant. One probably brilliant film, one film that has love in the title, and it's actually uh, mm-hmm. not brilliant at the very least. So, yeah. They should have called it that. <laughs> love <laughs> is actually not brilliant. <laughs> That would, yeah, that would have been more accurate. So let's, without further ado, let's pick a flick. Oh, and before I start this, I must make the point, given the gentlemen who are on, that I shamelessly nick part of my podcast from them because I do look at Wikipedia articles and read off them for films. So basically, I've stolen your idea and made it about films. So sorry. Yeah, stop plagiarizing us, plagiarizing Wikipedia. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Love Actually is a 2003 British Christmas-themed romantic comedy film written and directed by Richard Curtis. The screenplay delves into different aspects of love as shown through ten separate stories involving a wide variety of individuals, many of whom are shown to be interlinked as their tales progress. Set primarily in London, the story begins five weeks before Christmas and is played out in a weekly countdown until the holiday, followed by an epilogue that takes place one month later. Let's have a clip, if we must. What the hell are you doing here? You're supposed to be Elm Jones. Yeah, well, I, I was there for a minute or two, and then, then I had an epiphany. Really? Yeah. Well, come on, just come up. So, um, what was this epiphany? Um, it, it was about Christmas. You realised it was all around? No, I, I realised that Christmas is, is the time to be with the people you love. Right. And I realised that as dire chance and, and, and faithful cock-up would have it, here I am, 
mid-50s. And without knowing it, I've gone and spent most of my adult life with a, with a chubby employee. <laughs> and, and much as it grieves me to say it, it, it might be that the people I love is, in fact, you. Well, this is a surprise. Yeah. Ten minutes at Elton John's, you're as gay as a maple. No, look, I'm, I'm serious here. I left Elton's where there were a hefty number of half-naked chicks with their mouths open in order to hang out with you at Christmas. Well, Bill... It's a terrible, terrible mistake, Chubbs. But you turn out to be the fucking love of my life. <laughs> and to be honest, despite all my complaining, we have had a wonderful life. <laughs> well, thank you. Come here. Yeah, come on. It's been an honour. I feel very proud. Don't, don't be a moron. <clears throat> Come on, let's get pissed and watch porn. <laughs> Love Actually, I have to say, this, this kind of has been nominated and kind of hasn't been. Basically, let me explain this one. All my best friends, I mean, I've got a group of best friends, and because we're cool and hip and a bit sad, we've got a WhatsApp group, and we talk every day on that WhatsApp group, and for years, they've been saying how brilliant Love Actually is, especially Matt Dawson, one of my best friends who's been on the podcast. He loves Love Actually. He makes it. He makes him cry, and it, it makes me cry, but for different reasons, but they all love it. I, for years, have had real issues with this film. So I thought, right, okay, they've all kind, they all kind of want me to watch it. So I'm going to make it part of the Christmas special. I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and watch it again, you know, with open eyes. You know, as a podcaster now, trying to see if it's any good. Maybe I miss things. Maybe, maybe I'm all, maybe I've got it all wrong. Maybe I'm just a humbug. Am I a humbug? Guys, is love actually good? Am I wrong? Please tell me. I think you're pretty spot on, to be honest. Um, mm. When we found out that this was the film that we were going to be watching for Pick a Flick, Chris and I were quite excited. Yeah, I mean, I used to love this film. I really genuinely loved it. And I watched it last time for the first time in three years. I think I, think I hate it now. <laughs> and, you know, which is really a bit depressing. But it's not, it's not aged well. I am a big fan of the rom-com genre. I have no shame in admitting that. A little bit of shame, but not a lot of shame, because mm. done properly, the rom-com is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the premise of this, I'm well behind that. Yeah, let's have a good Christmas film. Let's have it about couples being in love. And the opening premise, the first two minutes that you get, where the, the notion that actually people love each other, and that's just really nice and warm and squeezy. And I enjoyed that. And I thought, yeah, you know what? I'm on board with this. I haven't seen it since it came out. So it's probably 10 years since I last mm. watched the film. And then what followed was ten stories of steaming shite (laughs) that's aged so horrifically, so terribly dated, and that is just poor storytelling. Just repeated poor storytelling. Nothing being given enough time to achieve anything at all. That's right. I mean, the one that sort of stuck out to me a bit was the Martin Freeman one. But that was the shortest. That's the only good one. And they're the most underdeveloped yeah. characters in the whole thing. <laughs> that's the nice look. That's awkward it's nice. sort it's of good, yeah. Christmassy. That is the only one for me that has a couple that you legitimately like, both of them, and you legit- legitimately think that both of them could fall in love with each other. Mm. The rest is just creepy men. Mm. And that's it. It's, there is a lot of creepy like men. Hugh Grant, who so, for some reason has been elected at Christmas. Yeah. That- which doesn't <laughs> happen for starters. I'm not buying into that one. He's creepy as fuck with um, Martin McCutcheon. Let's run through the stories and just give, in case anyone's not seen it, just a very brief overview of the ten different stories that are interwoven. So we've got Bill Nye's ageing rock star. Yeah. Bill Nye, who, let's face it, is one of the world's greatest actors. Yeah. Phoning it in. (laughs) But he's still good. He's working with what he's got. Colin Firth, 
disappearing off to France after catching his love rat brother diddling his wife. Can, can yeah. I make the point here that the place he goes to is like the most middle class hideout I've ever seen in my life. It's like I know he's I know he's like clearly like a writer and stuff, but can he really afford that place? It was like some sort of show home. It's <laughs> what. Everyone is incredibly rich in this film. That, yeah, they are, aren't Apart they? from Martin McCutcheon, because she's the only one who has a plot, like a, a point in the plot to be poor. And she's a cockney, isn't she, you know? And she's got, like, council house and all that. It's, that. it's that kind of thing. So, number three, Liam Neeson's just lost his wife. Very sad about that. His, his child isn't, though. Um, <laughs> his child no. couldn't give a shit. He's <laughs> more interested in the girl in his class. Uh-huh. This is the big one with me. I'm sure you all know, right... That this happened, the same thing happened to him like five years later in real life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It just freaks me out a bit. You know, when I watch it back, I'm like, Jesus Christ, it's like life imitated art a bit. Yeah, it's very sad. But in the film, he had to hang out with that horrible little kid from Game of Thrones. So, you know. He's from Game of Thrones. Yeah, the kid in the film is um, he's Bran's mate who gets oh, stabbed. No one cares about them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so number four, Chris Marshall from Out of Off of My Family mm. and the BT advert and the BT adverts. Who was going to be huge? He was going to be a celebrity. That never happened, did it? I think he works at BT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I had to pick a least favourite of all of the stories, and it's difficult because they're all my least favourite, really, but the Chris Marshall story is my least favourite mm-hmm. in that it's absolutely repugnant. Skin crawling, isn't it? It's oh, awful. Oh, the, the concept is he's not got much luck with the ladies and he thinks if he goes to America, they'll love his quaint Britishness. So he goes to America and they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally, is it? He goes there and he gets exactly what he wants and what yeah. most men, like in theory, would want. And I did, I did watch it and thinking, well, hang on a minute, where where's the bit where he fails? Where's the bit where he comes home and or he realizes? No, no, he's ha- he's actually just shagging like three really hot like American girls, yeah. and that's it. That's the end of his story. I'm like, yeah, what? and there's no joke in there. There's no, no. punchline. It's Chris Marshall. He's just got a big grin, hasn't he? So that's good enough. Do you know, he actually forfeited his wage for the second day of filming with those women. He actually said, oh, don't bother paying me because I'm having too much fun. Which makes me hate the film just a little bit more. Yeah, well. that's just... Uh, Slimy man. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah. And why any of those actresses would want that on their, on their reel. It's, so number five is Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. My favourite one. Yeah. Yeah, that one has got the the kernel of a better idea from a it's better film. It's got the legs it? to be something funny. Yeah, it's yeah. a funny idea them doing a sex scene without knowing each other and getting to know each mm. other while they're doing yeah. sex. That's funny. Mm. But there's but yeah, no yeah. jokes in there. And then yeah. it's all completely thrown under the bus at the end where she delivers the line, all I want for Christmas is you. Mm. But it's the worst delivered line I've ever seen. Is it because she's Welsh? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> the timing was all out. Do you think she said, all of Christmas in. is you, as in a sheep? Ah, is that it? Was there a double <laughs> meaning I think it was, I didn't I think it was a Wales joke. Ah. Oh, it was a Welsh joke. It's funnier now. Mm. Andrew Lincoln. Oh. Oh, this, this, is my, this is the one I hate the most. This is I think. the bigger one. This is yeah. the worst film. I think this is yeah, one of the worst. One he is such a bellend in this film. No one would do that. To anyone. Right, Chris, you are getting married to a beautiful lady. Yeah. And we're best buddies. Yep. Right. And you're getting married to this beautiful <laughs> You're getting married to this beautiful lady. And I'm filming it. I'm filming the wedding. On no, my little handheld camcorder. Because <laughs> I'm the best man, obviously. Right. And instead of filming the wedding, I'm just doing close ups of your wife. <laughs> is that is that okay? Is that fine? No. Well, when she finds out yep. and she realizes that I've been doing that because I'm in love with her. You're a pervert. Or I'm in love with her. Yeah, what you're describing isn't love. She, yes, I've filmed her, <laughs> and now she knows that. that I filmed her, and she's just clocked on, oh, it's because he loves me. So what I'm going to do, Chris, is I'm going to mm. go around to your house <laughs> while you're in with your, with your new, new wife. wife. Your new wife. Uh, she's going to come to the door. I'm going to make sure that he's nowhere to be seen. And I'm going to have some cue cards that right. declare my love for her, and I'm going to steal her from you. That's, is, that, is that all right? No, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. It's, to not, me. it's not nice, is it? No, and that's not love. Actually, that's not a fun, warm Christmassy tale. That's fucking horrible. But I remember looking at that and thinking, "Oh, that is nice." A couple yeah. of years ago, 
but now, no, it's not. It's what, so horrible. weird. You've glossed over the content of those cards. It's not as if there's any poetry yeah, or true. romance yeah. in those. The cards that he holds up are just rank. There's one there's, of a corpse. There's one of a corpse, <laughs> what was the which Kira Knightley was very cha- taken by. She found that funny. <laughs> And there was one. I I will love you until you look like this. Dot dot dot. And the next picture is of a mummified corpse. I'll I'll try and find a picture of this and put it on the website. It's not funny. It's not endearing. It's it's just creepy. Just prior to that, he's made the statement through the medium of cards that I could, in a year's time, I could be with any of these women. And then there's a placard of a, a montage that he's done. And bear in mind, this is a professional artist that's montage. doing this. He's done <laughs> and an this, adult. He's done, yeah, and an adult. He's done this montage on a board of beautiful, scantily clad women as if, yeah, I'm objectifying you the same as I'm objectifying all of these women. You know, maybe I'll get with one of these. But for now, you're here. Never mind the fact that my best mate's just around the corner. Look, you're a woman. I want women. (laughs) (laughs) If I can't have you, I'll just get any. Any of these would be fine alternatively. And why is it? Why is it cards he's holding up? Because he doesn't want his best mate to hear him try and shag his wife. It's so creepy. I've got a quick story I can tell about this actually, which I heard the other day. We haven't done the same sort of thing. And don't the word actually is jarring when I hear it in normal conversation now because they crowbar it in like twenty-two times into the film, and every time. It's like being punched in the face. Yeah, exactly. And now I just heard you use the word actually. Do you want to punch me in the face? And I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't even notice the word actually, but I still want to punch him in the face. Fair enough. But yeah, I've got a friend who... Um, a friend, bro- inverted commas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, whose boyfriends, they split up with each other and um, she moved back in with her mum. Mm-hmm. And the boyfriend didn't get... He didn't do very well. So he did a similar, he employed a similar card technique, but he went to her mum's house and her mum answered the door. She was in the bath. He did it anyway to her mum. What? Yeah. And then she said, I'll give her the message. (laughs) (laughs) And then he left and she never saw him again. Yeah, so, that, so that's what this film has done. It's made people do things yeah. like that. Because that, that, that would have been definitely the inspiration for that. There's no question about that. He, mm. he, he saw that film oh, yeah. and thought, oh, that's a good idea. It, look what it's doing to people. Yes, and I think it set a precedent for a lot of weird men to do weird stuff. Yeah, yeah and weird men don't need any encouragement. They're going to be <laughs> weird whatever. Don't give them PVA glue. <laughs> <laughs> But now you actually break that scene down, it's terrifying. I, I hadn't even look, looked at it quite that like nakedly in that sense. But like, yeah, it's the worst. It is the worst one. And he's got he's, he's got his little hi-fi with him as well. He puts it set down, uh. and that's playing carols. <laughs> Jarringly, yeah. the whole thing is just creepy. And then he walks away at the end and says, oh, "I'm done." <laughs> yeah, walks off. It's just, it's just a serial killer. He's a serial killer. What's the next one, Phil? Where where are we up to? I was only going to breeze through these so we could go back in more detail, but we just can't just control the venom that just flies. <laughs> can't from be us. done. Can't be done. Next, I've got Hugh Grant as Prime Minister and Martine McCutcheon as Eliza Doolittle is the um, (laughs) the note that I've made here. See, this is the thing. There is no way that this guy would be elected to be Prime Minister. No way, right? And there was a couple of things with this. The first one, like you said, right, I think, Jack, that when he gets elected, no, right, A. Secondly, when he's dancing, this was before they had speakers in in different rooms in the house. So he's, he, that music must be tinny in 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 a tiny little room in the corner of Downing Street. Or but he's just dan- inside his mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a complete idiot. Uh, the dancing scene is so painful. Yeah, it goes loud though. Mm. What what song is it? Jump. I hate jump. It's terrible. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I find that very creepy as well because he's in such a position of power and he just goes about everything in a really weird and creepy way with um, mm. Martin McCutcheon's oh, character. He uses his special Prime Minister car and turns up at a house. Yeah. They always mm. turn up at their houses. Yeah, yeah that's not cool, is it? It's like 2000 and whatever it is, but If you did that it. to anyone... The worrying thing for me about this film is that I am a weird, creepy guy. Mm. <laughs> and, and yet I'm watching it thinking, oh, don't do that, mate. That's, that's strange. So if I'm thinking it, you know, these people must be completely men- mentally unhinged. Hugh Grant, at least, did apparently say 
that he didn't want to do the dancing scene because he wanted the character to look more stately. <laughs> he failed. They didn't give him his request. <laughs> exactly, yeah. They went, That's no. not what people bring Hugh Grant into films for, though, is it, really? No. So I don't think they do at all anymore. No, they don't. <laughs> or Martin McCutcheon. Or Martin McCutcheon, no. Who, to be fair... She's quite lovely in it, isn't she? You can see the appeal of Martine McCutcheon in that film. And that was um, her perfect moment. It was. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Somebody had to do that one. So next, we've got Laura, Lun- Laura Linney, who's in love with the office stud muffin, Rodrigo Ooh. Santoro. Mm, and that's a stud name. It is. Well, that's his, the actor's name. but he's, That's the stud uh, name. He, he, is a, he is a stud outside of the film as well, stud muffin. Mm. And, and so she's in love with him. And they finally look to be getting it on. And then she takes a phone call from her. What's the correct term to use here for mentally poorly brother? Mm-hmm. And then her love for her brother is greater than her love for this new hunk, hunker Brazilian just meat. Hunk. You could have just said hunk. Brazil nuts. <laughs> her new Brazil nuts. And and I, I found that kind of sweet. I think it's because Laura Linney's really good. Yeah, yeah. That helps, and it felt like it got a little bit more presence of someone actually having a human emotion, yeah, which yeah. the others would just pretend. The others were just masquerading yeah. as human feelings, but that one felt a little bit more contacted. But again, without any depth to really explore it, we got to leave it alone again pretty quickly. But but like you said, Laura Linney's a really good actress, and she does try and bring something to that, and it's 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 a little bit more touching than all the other horrible shit in it so yeah that was one of the slightly better ones it was it was the one bit it, it was the one segment where a woman had a semblance of um of self-respect yeah. And yeah. of self-esteem and um, weren't just there as either a plot device or almost a villain in, um, yeah. in the scenes oh, I forgot, mm. talking actually. of which alan rickman yeah. segment is that the last one uh, alan rickman is number nine yeah alan Rick's, rickman and well, relationship with just Fuck off, love, actually, because I just despise that. I mean, he's obviously got the creepiest voice imaginable anyway, um, but the woman he's having an affair with, does she even have a name, the character? Mm. She, is, she, she, is, she is nothing. She turns up to that office Christmas party wearing devil horns. Like, that is such clever symbolism. I get it. She is the devil, and she's coming to take this woman's man away. How awful. He's, he's fine, though. Yeah. He's a top guy. He's just having an affair. Men do that. You know, whatever. Yeah, and you, he, you get the impression that Alan Rickman, more than anybody in the film, doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. Yeah, in, you do, actually. He yeah. feels that he's uh, he should have just said no. I will, I, will, yeah. I will say, though, Emma Thompson, I mean, she's really good in most things, to be fair, and she actually does... She has some semblance of self-respect. That scene where she just bottles up like the tears in that room. She just goes away. She's found the necklace or whatever it was. She yeah. goes into the bedroom and she just sort of lets it out, but quietly, and then goes back in and plays nice. I thought that was brilliant. She did that really well. And yeah, that so, was one of the highlights of it, I think. Yeah. yeah. But then they let that whole story just fizzle out and it doesn't yeah. have any mm. sort of resolution. Mm. Alan Rickman got to bang the, the young sexy one. Did he in the end? Very sexy. But yeah, the way that the film generally treats the women in it is not nice. No. And then number 10 is the relationship between the son, the drumming son, and the operatic young American girl. Yeah. Whose son? I don't... Liam Neeson's son. Oh, oh, right, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how you get to 10, because it says that it's 10 interwoven stories, but I'm not... Because they overlap in the way they do. Yeah. I think that counts as number 10, and Liam Neeson's also number 3. Yeah, that makes sense. I suppose, yeah, there's two different... Yeah. But the thing with that one, did anyone else notice, like, he's extremely bad parenting by letting the kid just run off into an airport? And then the kid, like, manages to find... I know, I know like, he, he was told the gate that the girl was going to be at, but then he, he manages to find that gate. Has he has he ever been to an airport? You can't find <laughs> this anything. This is post-9-11 as well, oh, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like, yeah. Just let a kid go running through an airport. It's just like, no... But then at the end as well, it all just builds to one of those awfully cliched things where everybody's going to the same place for the same thing. Yeah. And they do that twice. They do that at the recital, what's it called, nativity play. And then again at the airport, they're all coincidentally in the same place. You've done that once. You can't use that same mechanism twice in the space of one act. Yeah. The one thing that it does actually do quite well is the interconnection of the stories. And the people cropping up and them be the stories being linked together. It, given that that's quite a hard thing to 
mesh. I don't think it does that too badly. Do you want to know the actual... The, I'll, I'll read out the links. This 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 is how they all link together, right? Okay. okay. Each story in, is linked in some way with the exception of Billy Mack and his manager, who are not acquainted with any of the other characters. But Billy f- appears frequently on characters' radios and TV. His music video twice provided an important plot device for Sam's pursuit of Joanna. The pair also cross paths with the other characters in the closing Heathrow scene. John and Judy work with Tony, who is best friends with Colin, who works for a catering company that services the office where Sarah, Carl, Mia and Harry work, and is also catered Peter at Peter and Juliet's wedding. Mia is friends with Mark, who runs the art gallery where the Christmas office party takes place. Mia also lives next door to Natalie. Mark is in love with Juliet and friends with Peter. The couple are friends with Jamie and Sarah. Harry is married to Karen, who is friends with Daniel, and Karen's brother is David, who works with Natalie. Harry and Karen's children, and thus David's niece and nephew, Natalie's siblings, and thus Mia's neighbours, and Carol's son, are all schoolmates of Sam and Joanna. That's number wang. <laughs> it's, it's just like <laughs> exactly one it's like... really annoying person's Facebook. <laughs> they all connected in some way. <laughs> you can yeah. imagine that during the, the script meetings, there was a very complex board with an awful lot of post-it notes oh, on yeah. it. And, and they yeah. forgot to write any stories. Yeah, they forgot <laughs> substance. Yeah. And all the sexy ladies were on pink pads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think we can all agree that Love Actually is just... Uh, I, well, the thing is, I, I don't understand why people keep getting suckered into this, into thinking this film is really romantic and really Christmassy and really sort of it, the kind of film that you would just want to sort of cuddle up and, you know, I wouldn't want to cuddle with anyone and watch this. You know, I was sitting there with my partner and we were both going at certain points. It's just, I, what is it? What And why do people keep watching it? It's Christmas and people are weak. People are awful. <laughs> people are the worst. People are. That's that's it. People are just idiots. Anyone who's listening to this who likes Love Actually, no offence, but you're an idiot. That, <laughs> that, that, that is pretty much my entire friendship circle. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've got to be there, are, there are a bunch of idiots, Tony. <laughs> you tell them from me. Uh, it is so impossibly ham-fisted. The thing that yeah. really struck out for me was the music. Yeah, and I can't music. call it a score. It's like it's incidental music. It's yeah. like soap opera music that they've just taken from a bank. It is so contrived at every yeah. point. It's not crafted as part of the film. It's just layered on top. Well, there's just it's just one of those films that just makes you want to be slightly sick. Bar maybe one or two good ideas that Richard Curtis just completely you know, makes a mess of. And, you know, I've been accused of not not liking Richard Curtis's films and things like that and not liking romantic comedies. I will say now, bollocks to that, right? I like plenty. I like Richard, some of Richard Curtis's films. Nothing wrong with Bridget Jones' Diary, for instance. I like plenty of romantic comedies, but I, I thank, thankfully, having had this conversation with you guys, I now know that by not liking Love Actually, I am not an abnormal person, which is good to know at Christmas. Yeah, you don't have to spend Christmas alone. Well thank done. you. <laughs> So yeah, Love Actually was nominated by all of my friends. And uh, once you listen to this, I'm sorry, but happy Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, we are now going to move on to, given it is Christmas Day, and you're all right now half asleep on the chair, having had lots of mulled wine and eaten far too many mince pies. And you're probably just going to wake yourselves up for Doctor Who, and you've fallen asleep to this podcast. We're going to talk about Christmas films. So... I've got a list of all the Christmas films out there, and I've got an interesting list of, of some of the worst ever Christmas films. But before I get to that, um, and I've got some nominations from certain people who've when asked what they thought some of their best Christmas films were. But firstly, then, what about you three? What do you? What kind of Christmas films do you love? What's your favourites? Kids ones usually. Well, we were having a discussion on the way over about the old Die Hard discussion. Oh, Die Hard. Yeah. Because I think that that would be your favourite, wouldn't it? Well. No, you are right. It's not a Christmas film, but I associate it with Christmas. So does that make it a Christmas film? No. It is a Christmas film. It's set at it's Christmas. Set at Christmas, yeah. It's an absolute Christmas film. But I don't just watch it at Christmas. I could watch that at any time. It is then a it's Christmas, not a Christmas film. film. Uh, it has to be about Christmas to be a Christmas film. It is about Christmas. It's a Christmas party. Things can be set at Christmas and not be a Christmas film. Like, well, my office Christmas party was in like late November, so you know. That's your life. That's it's not a film. film. It could I'm be. not putting your office Christmas party on anyone's top ten best Christmas films. Like. Honestly, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favourite is... Uh, in fact, sorry, Chris. What was your favourite? Let's go with Die Hard, I suppose. Okay. Yeah, I'll go with that. My favourite Christmas film is not just my favourite Christmas film, but my favourite film, full stop. 
um, and that's a Muppet Christmas Carol, mm. which is yeah. the greatest story ever told, told by the greatest invention ever made, the Muppets. <laughs> We're calling with, the Muppets an invention. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they are. They, they were well, invented, yeah. weren't they? I suppose. With your man, whose name I've forgotten, Michael, Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine playing the most gloriously straight version of, of Ebenezer Scrooge. He just completely throws himself into it. The jokes are hilarious. Songs the are songs are brilliant. The score's gorgeous. It's perfect. It's and if anyone thinks otherwise, well. it's kind of scary. Yeah, towards the end, is mm. yeah, it totally captures the spirit of the original novel, and I adore it. You're not on your own. A lot of almost everybody who has responded to me has has said uh, a Muppet Christmas Carol, definitely. So yeah, it's I think everyone who's seen it, kind of. Although, you know, I came to it very late. I only saw it probably about four years ago for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I don't know why, but yeah, I just immediately just couldn't stop singing it. Phil, what about you? I'm going to see my go-to answer's always Die Hard, but I can see the argument that it isn't a true Christmas film. Mm, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It is. Can I put forward Trading Places yes. as a kind of Christmassy film? Yeah, that's yeah. Christmas. Also, again, that's not ever so Christmassy in so much as it works all year round, but it's definitely got a very Christmassy message at its core, which mm. you perhaps can't say about Die Hard. I'd say the same <laughs> with, um, even though it's set at Thanksgiving, I'd say Planes, Trains and Automobiles is the same. It's the holiday spirit. Yeah. And it counts yes. because of that. That's what it's about. So I'm going to go for Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And can you remember when Eddie Murphy was good? Eddie Murphy, he just he <laughs> had the Midas touch. Do you remember when Dan Aykroyd was good? Yeah, that seems like a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to say Trading Places. When I was coming to look at the Christmas films that are out there and compiling a potential for what could be considered my favourite Christmas film, I realised there has not been a decent Christmas film released in the last 10 years. Contradict me, somebody. Well, apparently, and I haven't seen it yet, but apparently Krampus that has just come out is very good. No, I didn't enjoy it. Oh, okay. No, I saw it um, this week, and it's got some good ideas, but at its heart, it doesn't know what direction it wants to go in. So it doesn't fully commit on the horror, it doesn't fully commit on the family thing, and the whole bit, it's got a kind of wash of sentimentality over it that it doesn't deliver in any direction, although the creatures in it, the monsters, are great. Mm. See, another one I was thinking of, which I haven't actually seen yet, but I was hoping it would be good, would be the uh, Murray Christmas film that was coming out on Netflix. But it turns out it's been universally panned. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's just a Christmas special, it's not yeah, a film. But it's, it still counts, is it? Um, yeah, no, it's, it's awful. Just something. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's just Bill Murray singing badly by a piano with a a bunch of vaguely famous celebrities. No, it's not good. So no, there is no. I can't think of anything that's... Been good recently. We saw Christmas Carol, the remake. Oh, that was so bad. <laughs> it was bad. So bad. And um, Was that the Jim Carrey one? Yeah. Oh, dear. I know, no, it was, had it. a kind of Uncanny Valley kind of vibe going on, uh, like, uh, like the Polar oh, yeah. Express, which uh, is just scary creepy. with their dead eyes. So, yeah, um, Christmas is dead. Let's just get over it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can't think of one in the last ten years. I think mine mine is a, a, again a slightly diehardish left field choice, which most people don't really remember as a Christmas film. But mine is probably on a Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, good choice because that is uh, actually set at Christmas. I'm allowing that. Thank you. That's one of my favourite Bonds as well. It's, um... Yeah, it's a brilliant Bond, and it's just it is set at Christmas, and I think it's the only Bond film that's set at Christmas. And you can, it's not, it is quite Christmassy, I suppose, at times though, actually. You know, there's a lot of snow in it, which, you know, is Christmas. Uh, well, not in England, but yeah. Um, he's often in Austria and whatnot. And it's, you know, it's quite cosy and comfy and it has a really happy ending. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's not ruin that one. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with that one. There's been a few nominations from people, um, variously, knocking about. On Facebook, Dave Bond agreed with me on Majesties. He also said, It's a Wonderful Life, Elf. Uh, and A Christmas Carol, the George C. Scott version, though, which I don't think he's one of the most well-known ones, actually. Matt Latham said Muppet Christmas Carol, which will be recurring. Uh, Home Alone and The Santa Claus, which my partner also loves as well. Lee Howard came up with a, a bit of an alternate one, which was Black Christmas 1974. There was, there's two of them. There's Black Christmas 1974, and then there's a Black Christmas remake, which he said was the worst one in 2006. Um, what, what about horror film? Well, yeah, I was going to say, does horror, horror count? Does horror count in the yeah, Christmas? Yeah, I suppose it can do. You can yeah. feel Christmassy while getting your guts torn out. Sometimes I do feel about that when, <laughs> when the John Lewis advert comes on again. Pete Gaskell said The Lion in Winter, which one I'm not familiar with, to be honest. Die Hard, Scrooged, again, Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a good choice, the one with Robert Downey Jr. I liked that film. I didn't know that was a Christmas film. Mm. Well, yeah, I didn't realise. It was a good, very good film. And uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight as well. Uh, which is the old action one, which, again, I didn't realise was Christmas. My friend Louise McArthur-Claire said Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, Scrooged again, Home Alone 2, uh, which a few of my friends have, have said Home Alone 2 instead of the first one. I think Home Alone 2 is better than Home Alone. I think you're all insane. <laughs> a few people have said that, though, Phil, that I, recently to me. Yeah. That it, yeah, which is controversial. Because it's incorrect. <laughs> no, because number one is just too... Hung up on the fact that he's alone, and they're too bothered about that. The second one is let him get on with it. He's on his own. Fine, now do your stuff. In yeah. Alone for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Go on a rampage through New York. Yeah. And the second one's definitely more Christmassy. Mm, yeah, it is. Yeah. She also said Jingle All the Way as well, which I watched recently. Did some of the worst effects I think I've ever seen in my life in that film. But it's got Arnie. Chris Haig finally said Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, the original one from the forties. Uh, the Thin Man, Lady on a Train, It's a Wonderful Life Again, Elf Again, and A Nightmare Before Christmas, which I'm surprised more people haven't said, actually. It's because, I think it's because I'd, I wouldn't class it as a Christmas film, I suppose. It's, it's, it's a Halloween film, it's, although yeah. a Christmas film. Well, well, it? it's, yeah. people, it's the build-up oh. to Christmas. It's still a Halloween film, though. Yeah. Um, Remember when Tim Burton was good? No, because he never was. <laughs> oh, man. Shut up. Shut, Shut your mouth. Progressively worse. Shut <laughs> your mouth. It's never good. Um, one, one I'd like to add is uh, Scrooge from 1951. Which yeah, that's is, a good one. Outside of Muppet Christmas Carol, that's my favourite version of um, A Christmas Carol. Uh, and yeah, It's a Wonderful Life is obviously amazing. But the one the one that's not a film from the last ten years that I'd say people should check out is the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Christmas special, which Ooh, had yeah, the howling show. in laughter, and it's now become a regular fixture of my Christmases. Mm, that's a great Actually, show. Just as a, I know it's films and stuff, but as a quick detour, um, Black Mirror's Christmas that they Oh, has, yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah. A, a great little mini film type it thing. It was. I watched that the other day again, and it was... Yes. Good. I don't know about you guys, we could do an entire other episode on Christmas TV things. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. One of my favourites is the League of Gentlemen Christmas special. Yes. Uh, yeah. Which is one of the most twisted hours of television I've ever seen. It's brilliant. Yeah, that was good. But also, just, just quickly to finish, um, Andrew Brooker on Twitter said he's a big fan of Krampus, because he said Krampus about four times. <laughs> but he also added... Die Hard Again, Long Kiss Goodnight, and Gremlins as well. Oh, yeah. Mm. And finally, Student Film Review said Black Christmas again. So you, quite a lot of people saying very similar ones for Christmas films, which you can understand, I suppose, because most of the, those, those are the ones that are repeated the most, a lot of them anyway, you know, and people see them all the time. Mm-hmm. I've got, though, seven Christmas, as it says, Christmas movies so bad. It's according to Rotten Tomatoes. Seven Christmas movies so bad, they're bad. But if you must watch them, here's what to look for. So I'm going to read you out these. There's a few that you've, got. you've probably never heard of some of these. First one is called Magic Christmas Tree from 1964, which is about a kid and a witch and an enchanted seed that grows into a tree which, cha- which talks like Charles Nelson Reilly um, <laughs> and grants wishes that lead to slapstick mayhem and the kidnapping of Santa. Hmm. Right. I'm on board. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, it's uh, apparently no one involved in its production ever worked in the business again. Let's <laughs> 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 so oh, be good. Then there was the Christmas that almost wasn't, which it says a mean old millionaire called Phineas T. Prune buys the North Pole so he can foreclose on Santa Claus and cancel Christmas, which is, again, a strange sounding one. That's from 1966. And then there's one called One Magic Christmas from 1985, which has Harry Dean Stanton playing a guardian angel, which would be terrifying, I think. <laughs> would be terrifying. Yeah. I'd but, love him as my um, as my angel. That'd be great. He'd <laughs> be messed up. Also on the on here now, I vehemently disagree with this one. Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore. Now I love that. I just, haven't seen, I've it. seen it. You've never seen it? No. Wow. I, I thought everyone had seen this film. Who was who were born? Actually, you're a bit younger, aren't you? Yeah. I, I, I'm more Phil's age. Yeah. Um, I I never liked Santa Claus the movie. Oh, that's a shame. It's okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, shall I leave? <laughs> Be gone. <laughs> yes. I just I think it's 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 a bit shit in places, but it's it's just <laughs> it, 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 it is. I got to be honest, but it's yeah, I love it. I grew up with it, so it's one of those. Um, another one here called is called the Christmas Shoes, which has uh, it is a story about God killing a woman so a grumpy man can rekindle his Christmas spirit. Mm. Apparently, festive. <laughs> It's got Rob Lowe in it, yeah. And then uh, the Nutcracker in 3D, which uh, is, a, is a Nazi version of the Nutcracker, apparently, with Nathan <laughs> okay. Lane as Albert Einstein. And finally, probably the best one, and it has a 0% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is a, this is a recent one. Yeah, it came out last year. It doesn't say the plot, but it says it, it allows Cameron to espouse his crackpot theories about how everything we think is pagan about the holiday was really Bible-based, and the materialism is awful, awesome. But yeah, it's anything with Kirk Cameron is going to be a bit mental, isn't it? So so those are seven ones to look up if you really want a bad Christmas film. Chris, we're putting you on that. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a confession to make. Oh, God, not here. Oh, no. oh Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and that is... I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. Wow. Uh, you haven't either. No, I'm just... Oh, for goodness sake. You need to get on that, Phil, because it's, it's brilliant. It's not really Christmassy. Yeah, but like, it has a... It is, but it has a... It's a dark, twisted sort it's, of... It's Christmas. very dark, and it, the, the Christmas aspect only really comes in in the last 10 or 20 minutes. The rest of it is oh, just, yeah. look at this man's life being ruined. It's But you'll, you'll leave the cinema feeling festive, which is what counts. That's true. Definitely check it out. Okay, we're going to move slightly away from Christmas films now, and we're going to go on to our next nomination. So let's pick a flick. Paper Moon is a 1973 American comedy drama film directed by Peter Bogdanovich and released by Paramount Pictures. Screenwriter Alvin Sargent adapted the script from the novel Addie Prey by Joe David Brown. The film, shot in black and white, is set in Kansas and Missouri during the Great Depression, and it stars the real-life father and daughter pairing of Ryan and Tatum O'Neill as protagonists Mose and Addie. Let's have a look at this one. Then if you ain't my pa, I want my tuna dollars. Okay. I want my tuna dollars. I heard you through the door talking that man. It's my money you got, and I want it. Mm-hmm. You just hold on a second. I want my money. You took my two hundred dollars. Will you quiet down? You hear? I want my two hundred dollars. Hold on, just hold on. Let me explain something to you. It ain't as if you was my pa. That'd be different. Well, I ain't your pa, so just get that out of your head. I don't care what those neighbor ladies said. I look like you that. don't look nothing like me. You don't look any more like me than than you do that Coney Island. Eat that damn thing. You hear? We got the same job. Lots of people got the same job. It's possible. No, no, it ain't possible. And I want my two hundred dollars. All right. We got the same jaw. The same jaw don't mean same blood. I know a woman looks like a bullfrog, but that don't mean she's the damn thing's mother. You met my mom in a bar room. For God's sakes, child. You think everybody gets met in a bar room gets a baby? It's possible. Anything is possible, but possible don't make it true. And I want my money. Will you quiet down? You know what the trouble is with you? You've got no appreciation. All right. Maybe I did get a little money from that man, and you're entitled to that. But I'm entitled to my share for getting it for you, ain't I? And where do you think you'd be without me? You think them folks would spend a penny to send you east? No, sir. But who got you a ticket to St. Joe? Who got you a knee-high in a Coney Island? And threw in $20 extra. Not to mention 85 cents for that telegram. You wouldn't have had any of that without me. Now, I didn't have to take you, but I took you, didn't I? All right, I think that's fair enough. 
We're both a little better off. I get to St. Joe, I get myself a little better car. Fair is fair. Now, drink your knee high and eat your Coney Island. I want my $200. I don't have your $200 no more, and you know it. If you don't give me my $200, I'm going to tell a policeman how you got and he'll make you give it to me because it's mine. But I don't had. Then get it. Now... Thankfully, after the the horror, the horror of Love Actually, <laughs> this makes up for it, doesn't it? Really, <laughs> because I think um, Paper Moon, even though it's not a Christmas film, I think this kind of after I'd finished watching it, I, I said I think this kind of would could qualify as something you could watch at Christmas. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. definitely, and yeah. I think it's. I thought this was really, really good. I don't know about you guys. Uh, yeah, I'd I'd seen it before um, a few years ago. And loved it, mm. and watched it again, and thankfully didn't have a Chris and Phil rewatch of Love Actually kind of moment where I ended up hating it. I adored <laughs> it even more. Um, but but it was both of your first time yeah. watching it, wasn't it? It was my first time watching it. I was a bit scared watching it, and the reason that I was scared is that my dad, who died a couple of years ago, always cited Paper Moon as his favourite film ever. Wow. And that made me quite nervous going into it because I'd never seen it and I'd heard him talk about it and he was really into it and to think, I can't let this not be good. <laughs> Thankfully, it didn't disappoint, but it added a poignancy to what is already an incredibly poignant film and as a consequence, it destroyed me emotionally. Oh. Absol- given that the theme of the film is principally fatherhood, mm-hmm. yeah. to have yeah. that in the context Text of my beloved father and uh, absolutely tore me to shreds. Happy and... Christmas! <laughs> <laughs> Happy Christmas! But I suppose it would do really because it's even though it's not a you know a sad film in any respect or, or anything like that. If with that kind of personal connection and the fact it's good and it's genuinely quite heartfelt, it's sort of bittersweet, isn't it, for you? I suppose, Phil, to have oh, that reaction. Completely. There's just a poignancy to it and and indirectness in the storytelling that is just absolutely anthema to the sledgehammer approach of love actually mm-hmm. the yeah. what's going on and the the subtext that's just throughout it that's so subtly played and so beautiful between the relationship of the the two of them that I, it just got me hook line and sinker from the very beginning absolutely loved it like i loved this film i thought it was it was great. I've never seen it before. I didn't really know what to expect going in. I didn't even know that the way that it was a seventies film and it was pretending to be something from like the thirties. I didn't know yeah, that was the a 30s, thing, yeah. which was really well done. It came across really well to me, anyway. I loved it. Beautifully done, and it won't. It hasn't aged. At no, all. that no. could be a film that was made last year about yeah. the nineteen thirties. Definitely, it just. The cinematography is gorgeous. Oh, that's brilliant. Apparently, um, Laszlo Kovacs, who shot it used a red filter on the camera uh, on the advice of Orson Welles, apparently. So Orson Welles had a hand in, you know, and obviously, you know, he's going to have an idea, (laughs) being quite good at what he does. And Bogdanovich used deep focus cinematography and he used extended takes. And it's funnily funnily enough, um, my girlfriend, because we watched it together because she happens to be the one who nominated this and um, got me into it, but she said it reminded her in a way of Tarantino in the sense that he would do, he does long takes and he has long conversations. And there are, there are times like that. You can see the influences in people, can't you, from this film? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah that's, that's, a good, um, that's a good shout. And, and that's kind of why I love it, because I love those sort of the films where, they, where there's just long stretches of dialogue mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily relevant to the plot, but they just build the characters so well, which is mm-hmm. one of this, this film's um, great strengths. And as well as that, it's a road movie, and I think it might actually be the best road movie. Oh yeah, that was, um, and I love yeah. road yeah. movies. So. Yeah. I, I thought in the first maybe I don't know couple, the first couple of minutes I thought I'm not gonna like this because you know it's, it's just it wasn't sinking in with me. And then there's that bit where they're in like the diner, and that's one of those conversation yeah. bits that is very Tarantino-y as well. Yeah, and I thought there, no, I, I'm, yeah, this is I'm on board now. Tarantino didn't invent diners, you know that, don't you? <laughs> no, but that's you know what I mean. <laughs> It's, a, it's, a, it's a, almost a Tarantino trope now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one, I mean, is it Madeleine Kahn that 
pops up. It's Trixie. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that section didn't really work. No, I, I thought that was wonderful. That. Yeah. I, thought that, I thought that was really good. The bit where they were catching her out and it came a bit more plot-driven, that didn't work. Yeah. But the bit where she's talking Addie down when they're on the hill yeah. and she's trying to connect to a woman-to-woman, that's brilliant. And that is, if yeah. you want to respect your female characters and have them talk as human beings, mm-hmm. that is just the rule book right there. That just yeah. cut to the quick of it. It was fantastic, that scene. The following bit where they were trying to catch her out and get her to um, hook up with the, some of the, the sort of, because it's a con man story as well, and some of the cons are a little bit convoluted and, and didn't need to be in there, particularly that bit in the in the hotel. That was a bit much. But that character, I thought that she was wonderful. Well, she won an Oscar. She was she's the youngest ever person to win an Oscar type money for this film. She was 10. Oh, and, she was, yeah, brilliant. And she won Best Supporting Actress. Which I think's fair enough, really, because she was she was yeah. terrific. Although it was originally meant for um, Paul Newman and his daughter, who was called Nell Potts, and it was going to be directed by John Huston. But when he left, the Newmans fell out of it as well. And as much as you know, Paul Newman was a great actor. I think the O'Neills were perfect for this. I, I think the knowledge that they were real life father and daughter mm. that definitely added something. And it. They're lucky there because it could have really detracted. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah. It, it worked because of the the chemistry that they got. You could see the fun that they must have had in some of those those scenes. There's the the argument in the car where the 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 fight in the car about running out of Bibles took two days and thirty nine takes to get right. Wow! And yet. It's so enthusiastic that the back and forth between them is so... Uh, it must have been so much fun to have been around while they were building that relationship. And one thing I thought as well, I mean, obviously, you know, there is a there is kind of more of a, of a hint at this at the end, but the whole idea that he might actually be her dad, a biological father, mm. and it... You know, there's it just it's left nicely ambiguous, but the fact that you know she keeps saying, you know, you've got yeah, my, I've got, jaw. I've got your jawline and all this, but it's even better now knowing their real life father and daughter. And I love how yeah. ambiguous that's left at the end. Yeah, and it's something that would have been so easy to play for sentimentality. Yeah, oh yeah, but none of it was played that way. Mm-hmm. There was a hardness about both yeah. of them. Yeah, that there wasn't any oh I love you really moments, and they all hug and everything's happy ever even after. Right at the end, did it, it come across like that? Yeah, yeah it was no. Like, Oh, more of the same, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the fact as well that because that, I said as as it was when he drops her off and he goes and then he stops and finds the letter. I said to Steph my girlfriend, I said, right, what's going to happen is he's going to read the letter. He's going to go back for her because she's not happy. And I was so actually delighted that she comes back to him. I thought that was yeah. much mm-hmm. that was much better that you know she runs away because it just it would have been that sentimentality a little bit if he'd have come back and knocked the door and she, yeah. runs, she runs into his arms or something. It was much better that she finds him and they're like, right, let's just get on with it then. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And then the car rolls off down the hill. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a great the final shot as well. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And we talked about it as a road movie and the way that they captured the bigness of the environment that they were in mm. and the, their inconsequentiality as a part of it that was a really big part of it for me that you could at this point in let's face it, it it wasn't that long ago at the time that it was filmed this mm. was only a generation past from where it was set mm. you know the time between now and when it was filmed isn't far off the time between when it's it was filmed same. and when it was set and the the difference in that you felt that you really could just jump onto the next town you could just yeah, move yeah. on and then you'd be anonymous again and that you were just lost yeah. in this sprawling america that had completely lost its way at this time the the way that it explored poverty and looked at that without doing it explicitly and just let it play on in the background was really touching mm. without ever being ham-fisted or too direct about it yeah and it, it just did it so perfectly yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it absolutely adored it and i gen generally have a big problem with films that were made before i was born Mm. i'm not good at watching old films because i tend to end up looking at them as historical documents rather than getting immersed in them it's it's very rare that an older film if i'm not already familiar with it immerses me in that way and yeah i was i guess that's because of the the fact that it's a it's a period piece and like I said, it is, it's almost timeless. That helps, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't feel... It, it, I know it's not old, old, but it doesn't feel like it's from the 70s. You know, you almost feel like that was made fairly recently and it's just been made in black and white. It's, mm. It does have that... It's got a really sort of... I mean, the script is brilliant. It's got a, almost a modern sensibility, in, ironically, sort of a filming sensibility, you know, in how it's set in the period. So you can imagine, like, the Coen brothers doing that. Oh, definitely. So, do you know what I mean? It's got that... 
And Bogdanovich, you know, he's one of the original American New Wave, and he's inspired so many people as a director anyway. So it's just, it's, it is timeless. I think you've spot hit the nail on the head there. It's, it's a timeless film, definitely. And it, people, not enough people know about it, though, do they, really? No, you know, I, I think first time I really liked it, um, but on rewatch, it's actually bumped up into sort of one of my favourite films territory. Mm. Uh, so if anyone's listening to this and hasn't seen it, Unfortunately, you just had the entire film ruined and spoiled by us. <laughs> but you should still go and watch it. Still watch it, yeah, because it's it's, it's the exact opposite effect of Love Actually. <laughs> yeah, I, f- I felt way more Christmassy yeah. after watching yeah. Paper Moon than I Me did too. Love Actually. Me too. Apparently, one final fact before we move on: the film was originally going to be called Addie Prey, like the book. But while Bogdanovich was selecting music for the film, he heard the song "It's Only a Paper Moon," which is the classic, you know, one from years and years ago. Uh, from the time, really, it's set, I suppose. And then he went, he spoke to Orson Welles again, that fella, and uh, Bogdanovich said, well, maybe I could call it Paper Moon, and Welles said, that title is so good, you shouldn't even make the movie. Just release the title. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he did make the movie, though, definitely. Yes, and I'm glad he called it Paper Moon, because that is a fantastic title, there's yeah. no denying that. It's a brilliant title. It's a brilliant title. So, um, big thanks for the nomination from Steph Gab, my... Uh, my girlfriend, she's uh, she knows her films, and she uh, she's loved this one for for years after catching it on TV. And she was saying, yeah, you need to. But when I said to her, nominate a film for my podcast, she went, yeah, Paper Moon. So we, she's right there. So thanks, Steph. Finally, we're coming to the end point of the podcast, and this is the fun part. Fun in inverted commas, anyway. <laughs> yeah, all the rest you've listened to so far, arduous, but it was building up to this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got to get through the first hour on Christmas Day so yeah. to get to the enjoyable. <laughs> if you can yeah. swallow this. It's, it's like when you open up your stocking and the first few presents you open are just, just wrapped up turds. <laughs> just intricately wrapped up turds. But at the bottom, there's, I don't know, a, a Nintendo DS. That's what the kids want, right? Yes. Sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you'll probably buy now, you know, you're on your 10th your glass of sherry and you're settling down for Downton Abbey because apparently everyone watches that on Christmas Day. But before then, let's l- listen to uh, the three gentlemen from Wikishop will be tested on eight questions on Christmas films. So this is fastest finger first, gents, so you're pitted against each other here. So, um, you know, play nice. If you shout your names before you answer the question, then uh, well, that's probably the fairest way to do it. So, Where does uh, my finger come into it? You can do what you want with your finger. <laughs> this, is, this isn't a video podcast, so you, you enjoy yourself, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready, gents, to play question time? Yes. Yes. Jack's very ready. He's like, yes. Okay, question one. Which Christmas film was mentioned in a 1947 FBI file as a communist trick to discredit bankers? Jack. Jack. It's a wonderful life. Well done. One to Jack. In your faces. It's one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, question two. Who played Chris Kringle in the 1994 remake of Miracle on 34th Street? Jack. Richard Attenborough. Oh, he's, he's, he's quick, Jack, isn't he? Well done. Yeah, that's two to Jack. So he carried on reading more question after he'd said his name. (laughs) Hold him to that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Number three, name the Christmas film which revolves heavily around Gimbal's department store. Philip, jingle all the way. <clears throat> Jack. Sorry. Jack? Is it Elf? It is Elf. Well done. It's <laughs> cleaning up here. That's three to Jack. Well done. Question four, the aunt of which Hollywood megastar appears in White Christmas? Um, Possibly tricky if you don't know your old time stars. Jack. Go on. No, I've got nothing. No. Chris. Jelly Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope Gary Oldman's got an aunt called Jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, any idea? Who's part of a good dynasty? Nicholas Cage has got lots of relatives. He, he does. He does. It's not him, though. Uh, Sorry. I'll give you this one. It's George Clooney's aunt, Rosemary Clooney, who was. Uh, yeah, she was an old time actress um, back in the day. Okay, this one's a bit of potluck guess, I suppose, but um, how long. Question five How long did the makeup take on Jim Carrey every day as the Grinch? Chris. Chris. Nine hours. No. Anyone else? Phil. Phil. Five hours. No. Four hours. No. No one's getting the point now. Three hours. 
was the answer. Oh, well, I, I was, so, I was nearest. No, don't so, you closest. It's got to be on the nose or nothing. I, I will agree with Chris on this one, I think. Sorry. Uh, question six. Who did producers want to play Myron, the antagonist in Jingle All The Way, but was nixed out of fear the actor would be too small opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger? Jack. Jack. Was it Danny DeVito? No. Oh, Chris it should have been Chris Joe Pesci well done Joe Pesci <laughs> <laughs> there's only a few small actors to go around isn't there really to think of oh, we, um, should, we should get Arnie and Danny DeVito back together for a Christmas film well yeah. they're making the new twins film aren't they it's not a Christmas film well, and also it's going to be that. shit it is so... going to be shit that's true you don't know that it is <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. Question seven. In the original release of what movie does Tim Allen say 1-800-SPANK-ME as a joke? Phil. Phil. Santa Claus the movie. The Santa Claus, yeah. The Santa Claus. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I got it wrong, didn't I? Oh, no, I'll give you that. I'll give you that because I know what you mean. Jack the Santa Claus. (laughs) That's the only point I've got. This, interestingly, the reason it was taken out was because it ended up being a real phone sex service. So afterwards, oh, no. Disney tried to buy and discontinue the number. <laughs> but they don't think they just omitted it from the film, I think. Uh, <laughs> and uh, last but not least, question eight. In Die Hard, what nationality did German Jack. censors make the terrorists? Jack. Oh, um, English. No. Anyone else? Uh, oh, I don't know. Chris? Austrian? No. Phil? Oh, what's it going to I can have a think about this now. <laughs> um, Irish. Well done, Irish. Ooh, of course. Yes. They made the course, IRA. So <laughs> late, late 80s, the IRA was still knocking about, you know, weren't they, properly? So, so, yes, okay. After eight questions, the scores are as follows. In third place, Chris with one point. It's always me. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you've got more on the leaderboard now, though. You know, you've got two more points now. More than zero. <laughs> In second place, Phil with two points. And that means in first place, with three points, Jack. Yay! Round of applause. <laughs> uh, you're all right. <laughs> very hard. In the spirit of Christmas, you thank can have you. a little yes. wrestle. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, there you go. So you will go onto the leaderboard, gents. And when you come on again, uh, you'll be able to have another go at the quiz for whatever it is. So, yeah. <laughs> That was our Christmas special for Pick a Flick. So hopefully you're full of cheer now. Are you three full of cheer, gents? Yeah. Yeah. Bags of it. <laughs> so, now that, yeah, enough time has passed since we spoke about uh, Love Actually. So yeah. I'm starting yeah. to feel it again. I didn't even get to talk about how bad Billy Bob Thornton is. I'd completely forgotten oh, about his yeah. existence. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. He's yeah, horrible. He didn't want to be there. Ugh. No, he didn't. That was horrible. Let's not let's not go back to Love Actually because we <laughs> we want to keep the boil down, don't we? So thanks very much for coming on, gents. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Hey, it's been fun. Mm. Excellent. So tell us about Wikishuffle. Where can we find you and whatnot? Wikishuffle. You can find us at wikishuffle.co.uk. But what is Wikishuffle? Wikishuffle is a weekly podcast where mm. we go onto Wikipedia and we press the random article button and whatever comes up, we talk about. And is it funny? Oh my, is it? <laughs> okay, is it interesting? Oh goodness. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. And where can I listen to it, apart from wikishuffle.co.uk that you've already it, mentioned? It, it depends where you are. You can listen to it in the bath, in your car, mm-hmm. on do the I way to, to work. Public transport. You don't have to be clothed. If you're on public transport, you do have to be clothed. Yeah. Oh, right. I hear that a lot of people are being encouraged to w- listen to it naked. Yes. Absolutely. We, we would like that. We haven't had any confirmation yet that people have done that, have we? But no, some people have said have that they? they do listen in the bath. Mm. Um, so, but in the real answer to the question is wikishuffle.co.uk <laughs> or via Acast or on iTunes or any podcast any, app. Any really. podcast just, app. Just yeah. Just wikishuffle in, and, and, you'll and find there us. we are. Okay, you've got to look up Wikishuffle. They are award-winning podcasters now this year. So yeah, we, we've 26... got to start mentioning that. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we always just. Well, because we're so humble. That that doesn't seem like the likely reason. Sound like me. (laughs) I'm allowed to mention it. It's you know, um, you know, if it helps Wiki Shuffle grow in 2016, then that's not a bad thing at all because it deserves to. So make sure you look them up. And uh, oh well, it is Christmas. 
It's, it's, your, it's your present. <laughs> All three of you hopefully will be back on next year on Pick a Flick uh, individually, and hopefully we'll get you back as a as a wiki team again for something uh, later on. And uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, this has been Pick a Flick, where you can find us at Pick a Flick Pod on Twitter and Pick a Flick Pod at Gmail if you want to uh, email us and give us any feedback there. We're also on Facebook at Pick a Flick. And we're on Acast 2 and on iTunes, so please do leave us a review on iTunes. That'd be great, just to boost us up. A final Merry Christmas from us all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. One and all. And so say all of us. (laughs) (laughs) This this has been Pick a Flick, where you pick them and we watch them. Merry Christmas. They need sunshine Sunshine can't grow Christmas trees alone They need raindrops Raindrops can grow Christmas trees Here's a reason why In the winter rain will freeze And the trees will die Do you know how Christmas trees are grown? Deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.